didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTK DB. to the questions that have crossed all of our minds. What happens to us when we die? Is there an afterlife? I'm a regular guy who discovered the gift of psychic mediumship in my 30s. My passion for history and the unknown have put me right here, right now. My mantra for anything paranormal is, we don't know much and anything is possible. Join me as we find our way through the stories, evidence, and experiences of the paranormal and beyond in search of answers, even if that leads to more questions. Are you with me? Hey everybody, welcome to the Paranormal Pete Show. I'm your host, Peter Orbea. It is March 16th. Happy early St. Patrick's Day out there. Uh, be sure to wear your green tomorrow, right? Um, you're on episode 14 here and got a great show tonight. I am very excited to have this special guest on with me tonight. She's an author. She's a psychic medium. She's a healer, Reiki master. I just am exhausted trying to keep up with her. Uh, Miss Karen Fraser, welcome to the show tonight. Hey, Pete. Thanks. I can't believe tomorrow's St. Patty's Day. I'm going to have to rethink my outfit choices. <laughs> I know. Make sure you wear that green. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, I know. Time's just flying by um, this year. I don't know. It's, I can't believe we're mid-March already. Um, and if we're in mid-March, you know, that means the Oregon Ghost Conference is coming. And so that's going to be next week, all week, uh, it's ghost week, all week. How cool is that? Uh, there's a lot of virtual events, um, and some tours going on. So look up OregonGhostConference.com or go to the Facebook page, just type in Oregon ghost conference and you can see all the cool stuff going on there. And Karen, I saw that you are teaching a class there. I'm I'm doing a quick one hour intro to crystals. I teach really in-depth crystals classes for people who want them, but this is kind of a taste of crystals. So <laughs> all right. Well we're we'll get into crystals a little bit a little bit later. But uh, you know, check out Karen's class in and, and the whole week. Next week I'm gonna have conference director Rocky Smith on the show. Uh, next Tuesday evening on Let's Talk Radio. We're here on WLTKDB.com. You can also follow the station Let's Talk Radio if you just type that in to Facebook. Follow the page, and uh, we live stream the shows there. And then uh, if you end up missing a live show, you can catch it uh, on the archive. So WLTKDB.com, you can check it out there, or wherever you get your favorite podcast from, uh, you can find the show there. I've already got some people commenting um Susanna Dunn says hello hello back and Miss Kristen Gray hello hello back um so and that reminds me if you want to ask a question during the show if you go to uh, the station website you can jump on the chat function there and send us a question we're going to be covering a lot of different things tonight with Karen and uh so 
ask away, ask questions, and I'm sure we'll do our best to get an answer. Or you can put a question on the Facebook uh, live stream on the Let's Talk Radio Facebook page, and I'm watching that. So if you have a question, fire away, and we can hopefully uh, get it answered for you. So got the Oregon Ghost Conference next week based out of Seaside, Oregon. Um, I can't wait until next year. I think we'll, fingers crossed, everything will be good, and we can do an in-person conference there. Um, really been missing that, and hopefully, fingers crossed, this year in Port Campbell, we'll have one November 5th through 7th an in-person one so how have you been dealing with everything being shut down you know (laughs) it's been so long I don't know um you know I work from home anyway so my job is working from home and always has been since my children were very very small Mm -hmm. and so the only difference is now I wear a mask when I go to the store (laughs) well and I don't get to see my friends (laughs) That's the hard part. <laughs> it is. I'm really hoping that we can get to Port Gamble this year. I've missed. I we missed it last year. Yeah. We missed, you know, we missed the Oregon Ghost Conference. It's, but you know, yeah, what you have it's, to. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's all in the name of safety, and um, yeah, I really miss the, the in person part and just you know being in the same room with people and. Uh, I've been talking about on the show all the time that conferences are a great place to meet people, like-minded people, or, you know, maybe they can share the same experience you've had. And uh, it's just such a great place to explore, you know, uh, what you think. You know, I know a lot of people think they might be, you know, they're intuitive, you know, am I psychic? You know, there's a lot of great people you can meet at the conferences. What's been kind of your favorite part or aspect of attending a conference um you know or was it meeting somebody was you know what was kind of the best thing that has come out of conferences for you well so i've been with both conferences since the start um since before you were even with were you with port gamble when they did the first conference back when shauna was doing it no i i started on the second one (laughs) okay yeah, so I've been with both conferences since the very beginning, and yeah. um, and for me, it's um, it's kind of twofold. First of all, I'm pe- empathic, so it's exhausting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just I love seeing everybody, and I love getting to connect with people. And um, when somebody comes up and asks me a question, and I can validate an experience that they've had. I, it's it's everything to me. It means so much to be able to hear from people who say, hey, I think I've had these experiences and I always thought I was nuts or I always thought I was, you know, imagining <laughs> it. And to be able to validate those experiences for people is has always been a really big deal for me. That's awesome. That's And the fact that you can help somebody and see where it goes, you know, I I, I had that experience on the other side of it from I'm the one asking questions and uh, like William Becker and Seth Michael really threw me, threw me for a loop. <laughs> you, know, you know, Seth, I actually met at the first Oregon Ghost conference and it's, it's kind of a funny story. And I've told this before in his movie, I think even, but I was hiding in a room at the pioneer center in Oregon city, which is where the Oregon Ghost conference used to be because of that overwhelmed thing I was telling you about. 
and the um, Oregon City is a very haunted city. It's like Port Gamble's very haunted as well. Um, but I'm from Kitsap County originally. And so I was used to the energy of Port Gamble. I was not used to the energy of, of Oregon, of Oregon City. So I was hiding in a back room and I had this, some dead guy showing me his car in his house, his car in his house. I was just like, just leave me alone. And in comes this guy. And he's like, it's okay, sir, sir, back off. She's feeling a little overwhelmed. Just visualize a tornado around you. It was that. And that was my first experience with that. And I thought, this is what what's happening <laughs> that was that's one awesome. of my dear, dear friends but at the time i was like what what yeah oh that's awesome and, it, and he came in and knew right what to do <laughs> yeah he did he was like start i just back off back off she she's feeling overwhelmed right now just give her space <laughs> isn't that something else oh my goodness yeah. Yeah, i was like why didn't i think of that <laughs> oh man that's awesome we got some more people saying hi on the on the Facebook live stream. Welcome everybody to the show. Appreciate you listening. Um, we've got a lot lot we're going to get into tonight, and I'll put this out there again. Um, anybody out there, if you go to a ghost conference each year, no matter where you at, where you live, um, put it on the station chat or on the Facebook live stream. Comment it, and I'll be sure to mention it um, because it's important to attend conferences and support conferences and get out there. Um, <laughs> hey, Michael White says, hi, dudes and dudettes. Hi, Michael. <laughs> okay. We're, we might have, hopefully we don't have a peanuts gallery tonight. <laughs> that makes it fun. The old um, home week. I feel like it's a lot of people we haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, one thing I did not know about you is that you're a musician. How did I not know that? I am. I was actually a music major in college. Um, I play the flute. I play percussion. I play the piano. Um, I play mandolin badly. I'm a <laughs> terrible singer, though. Um, but And then I also, um, I have translated that into sound healing. And so that's how I do my music now is through sound healing. But yeah, yeah. and my, my son is a musician. He got it. He just got his degree in music a couple of wow. years ago. So yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. I was a music major as well. And were you it really? Was, yeah. Is what do you hard. play? Yeah. Uh, well, so I started on violin until I figured out I was allergic to the pine rosin and then clarinet badly <laughs> and then i switched to tuba and that's what i did all through school and in college so i was a tuba player cool so um, you're saying we should do a clarinet and singing duet we would be awesome yeah oh man that'll drive spirits away that's for sure <laughs> right <laughs> on my end um so yeah and then i've uh i play in a band right now and i always plug us on the show at steady rock cosmonaut that's uh our song magic uh is the theme song for the show and, but I did not know you were a musician, so oh, that's yeah. awesome. All my now, do you, yeah, did you, I think that's great. Did you, do you feel like there's, um, I've brought it up on the show before and I, I just like getting different perspectives. Do you think that there is a connection with playing music or the study of music um, that opens you up even more or allows an easier connection to the other side of things. So music is vibration. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that we feel music vibrationally, some of us probably more than others. But um, so music opens you up to all sorts of things. Um, so for instance, when I work with my, my healing clients, I always um, play uplifting music. I'm not going to play like cookie monster metal, you know, like screamo, okay, 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 or anything like that. That's what I call corn is cookie monster music. But yeah. so I'm not, because, because music is vibrational. And like, if you look at the work of um, Masaru Emoto, who did the hidden messages in water, he actually did um, also experiments with music. And what he did is he exposed water to certain types of music, and then he froze it and he looked at the crystals under the microscope and okay. photographed them. And the, like the really heavy screamo stuff was like this muddy stuff and like mozart which is very mathematically precise music right 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 it's yeah are these beautiful crystals it's really amazing how much music can affect everything and i mean you know music can be a gateway to things because our memories are tied to music name a couple who doesn't have a song right right it's and and that's an even though it's oh i love this song it's my jam it's an energetic connection Right. I, yeah, I just always felt that there's just got to be something else to it. And, yeah. and, uh, I know there's some science behind how your brain communicates within yes. itself. And if you are a musician, it, it talk your brain talks to itself in, in a little bit different ways or has more connect, different connections, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, I did a musical experiment, ghost hunting. Want to hear about oh. it? Yeah, like here, do. Yeah, yeah. So um, up at Wellington, which is kind of like you have Walker Ames, which is kind of your laboratory, right? The place yeah. you've been many, many times. So Wellington is mine. And um, we had my son bring a saxophone up there and play live music. I played flute and Native American flute up there. And I've played um, recorded music. And what we have found is that the spirits there respond more to the live music, to the vibration of the live music than the recorded music. We've done this more than once just to see, because I wanted to see what kind of response we got. Right. And we get EVPs like crazy when it's the live music. Now, did you notice that it was one instrument over another where it seemed to be more active or it's just basically live versus pre-recorded? Live versus recorded, but it makes sense, right? Because live music has more vibration than recorded music because you're not only are, are the vibrations of the sound hitting your eardrums, but it's hitting all of you with live music. Right. Yeah. And sometimes uh, when I've played gigs and have been on stage, if the sound is really good and I can feel the bass guitar in my feet, then I just, I feel like, you're, I'm just at another place and, you know, feeling the music. So yeah, I, I yeah, it, it, that it, way. Slips, it slips you into the flow. And like when I do, um, I do sound healing. Well, when you can be in the presence of people, I do sound healing concerts, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. They're called like sound baths. And I often find myself when I'm doing a sound bath, I forget I'm the one doing it. And I'm like, so I'll listen to like, listen to the way that singing bowl decays. And then, and then I'll be like, oh. <laughs> you start going somewhere else. And- yeah, yeah. 
So, so was that a pretty easy transition then? I mean, just your study in music, um, yeah. you know, was that easy to get into sound healing and just because your knowledge of music, it was just nice and fluid. Yeah. I'm actually surprised it took me as long as it did um, because sound <laughs> healing came after like the Reiki and the other forms of energy healing. And then I actually attended a sound bath and I thought, why haven't I been doing <laughs> the light bulb went off? <laughs> right, right. So I don't know if you can see, but behind me, do you see gongs back there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my house is full of all of that kind of stuff. So I'll get up in the morning and I'll hit my gongs a few times just to clean the energy. In the yeah. yeah. That gives me an excuse to get a gong. Awesome. They are so cool. <laughs> you have to, you have to have a gong. Right. Now what's, uh, what do you think about binaural waves? Um, I love them. I actually recommend them a lot um, in like a lot of my books and in meditation and things. So the way that the binaural beats work is that one sound goes in one ear and one goes in the other. So you have right. to have headphones on right. to do them. But they're incredibly effective at producing different brain waves. As a matter of fact, even though I just said the headphones thing, Jim and I in our room actually play a binaural beats um, sound machine at night to help us sleep. So I, because they do, they induce different brain waves and they can really deepen your meditation. Yeah. Oh yeah. I use, um, I use an app. There's lots of apps that you can download, mm. um, for free. And if I'm feeling just kind of scattered, you know, uh, from the day or I was just shopping at Walmart or something. So I'm going a little crazy inside Yeah, and you know, or, uh, you know, if I'm just scattered or getting ready for a reading for somebody, I like to listen to that. And man, it just, um, it, I feel like it charges me up with electricity. Yes. And if I do it for too long, I feel like I'm going to like explode. <laughs> yeah. Lightning bolts to, everywhere. <laughs> I do have to offer a pro tip though. Okay. So there is an app called Painkiller 2.0. Okay. And it's binaural beats. And I use it for migraines and other pain, and it is amazing. Really? For migraines? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of people out there probably, a lot of people suffer from migraines. So, and that was called Painkiller 2.0? Painkiller 2.0. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, it's on my phone, and I use it. I have used it a lot. Like, I used to be a guardian ad litem, and so I'd have to be in court all day. Mm -hmm. And um, I... I would have to be in court whether I had a migraine or not. And I would just go sit in a back room with that when I would have a migraine and listen to it and then be ready and be able to testify coherently in front of a judge. <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. I'll definitely be checking that out. If you suffer from migraines out there, definitely check it out. There's yeah. a, a good plug for that app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's great stuff. Um, my band, we've kind of toyed with the idea of pumping binaural waves underneath our music at a show and see what, uh, see what happens live, you know, live at a show, run them that through the PA system. Cool. You yeah. should try that. Yeah, I definitely, or like if you record, I would even consider maybe recording something with the binaural yeah. beats under it. And then, yeah. Yeah. And, and we, um, we kind of haphazardly tried that, but I don't think it worked very well. Just, I don't think I had the setup right for it, but, yeah. um, but we've kind of toyed with that just to kind of see 
you know, is it going to make the audience go crazy or is there all going to fall asleep by the time we're done playing, which we don't want that. So, <laughs> Well, be careful. You don't want to create unintended, unintended results, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's what I was kind of nervous of. Um, well, we had uh, somebody mentioned the Michigan Ghost Conference earlier. So I just want to make sure and, and get that out there. Uh, I think there's a couple of them out there. And if anybody else wants to mention any other ghost conferences out there, paranormal conferences, I'll definitely um, mention that here. And so we're going to be taking a station break here in just a minute. But on the other side of that, you kind of touched on Wellington a little bit. And so I'd like to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about, my gosh, you've you've got like a bajillion books. (laughs) A couple. (laughs) There's... There's a lot. That's great. Good, cool stuff. Now you have one out now. I saw that's available um, for pre-order and oh. it's, what is that called? Oh God. It's the, the alchemy. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll have to look on the break. I'll have to look at the title. I never <laughs> remember the titles of my books. I'm so <clears throat> Well, geez, I don't, don't blame you. It's transform your life with alchemy. That's it. I knew I had it written down, but that's available for pre-order now. So you've got another one coming out. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I have one coming out in the fall too, but I can't tell you what it is yet. Ooh, top secret. (laughs) Okay. Well, hey, we're going to pay the station bills here on WLTKDB.com. This is the Paranormal Pete Show with your host, Pete Orbea, and special guest, Karen Frazier. We'll be right back. See you on the flip side. Maggie Reiki is a full-service Reiki therapy center offering both in-person and distance Reiki sessions. Reiki is a gentle healing energy that can assist in clearing, repairing, and maintaining energy that is vital for optimal health. Reiki can also assist with anxiety, depression, and even addiction. You can schedule a Reiki session by visiting our website, www.mackeyreiki.com. That's www.m-a-c-k-e-y-r-e-i-k-i.com. Patreon is a place for creators. We're one of them. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash WLTKDB. Check out all the unique support tiers we offer. You can get early release episodes, station mugs and t-shirts, free station service work, and much more. Help the station reach its $1,000 per month goal to make our station totally ad-free. Patreon.com slash WLTKDB. We appreciate your support. Well, they Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Paranormal Pete Show. I'm your host, Peter Arbea. Quick station break there. We're on WLTKDB.com. Let's talk radio. Quick shout out to station manager Todd Bates and his show Haunted Voices. There's a lot of awesome shows uh, throughout the week. So there's something for you to listen to each night or you can just catch it all on demand. I think we're all living on demand these days. Um, but you can catch everything on demand. There's lots of shows to check out. So um Definitely go. You don't want to miss um, Todd's show and Nicole Strickland's show, uh, The Afterlife Chronicles. And she's going to be at the Oregon Ghost Conference, too, um, as a panelist, I think. But uh, lots of cool stuff to check out, so please do. Um, and we're back on with Karen Frazier. She's uh, an author. <laughs> 
medium healer. You do so much stuff. I think that's that's cool. And you also do some volunteering, right? Um. Well, normally pre COVID, probably. <laughs> normally, yeah, I yeah I volunteered for several years as a guardian ad litem for abused and neglected kids. Uh, tough job, but needs to be done. Right. I volunteered for a while at the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. I've been on the Kitsap County Crisis Line. I I like to volunteer. It makes me feel it makes me feel good. It makes me feel that's, happy to help. People. That's awesome, and the, and the world needs that. <laughs> For sure. The world, world needs that help. And, you know, I've been asking all my guests, um, and I'll ask you, um, through this whole last year and beginning to this year, I mean, were you just overwhelmed? Did it feel, di- did everything just feel different? Did you notice a difference? Was there no difference? You know, kind of psychically or as an empath, you know, how did it, how did it go for you? Well, so, um, I knew probably in January, late January, early February, that we were in trouble um, and that there was going to be some issues. So when we had actually, we were in in Orange County and went to Disneyland, went on the new Star Wars ride in January, right before. I'm jealous. It was pretty cool. And I don't even like Star Wars. Is that okay to admit that here? That is okay to admit that. Okay. But it was it was really cool. And then we were up in Canada in in February, right towards the end. And then we had other travel plans for the rest of the year that we had to cancel, which was fine. Um, so the weirdest thing happened to me when this whole thing first started. So so I mean, a lot of weird things have happened. But the sure. weirdest thing that happened is that I started itching. I had a non-specific itch all over to the point where I would have bruises on my arms and legs from scratching so hard and there was no reason for it and I think it was empathic because then I I wound up talking with um the psychic lawyer um Mark um Anthony and he had the same thing and I've talked to a few other people and they've had the same thing and it manifested in them as either an itching or a buzzing and I think it was just the collective kind of the collective angst probably would be my guess yeah. And and then the other thing is that that I've always had this group of entities that I just kind of thought were my spirit guides. And they have always helped me with my books and they've talked to me since I was a kid. I had an imaginary friend named George when I was a kid. And they started saying they started coming to me in about January and coming to me in dreams and telling me you're going to have to share information with the world. And I thought, "Oh god, channeling people are I people already think I'm a nut job." I mean, what? And um, so when we locked down in March, I think we locked down on like the 13th. And I, I'm pretty sure my my first channel George message that they said you are going to do this and you were going to put it out to the public was like March 15th. (laughs) Maybe it was like within a few days. And then they've channeled 22 messages since then about all sorts of things about about the world. And they call this the opportunity, the COVID 19 opportunity for humanity. And They've sort of um, shifted as things in the world have happened. They've sort of put those in context. But, um, yeah, it's been an interesting experience. Wow. That's, that is, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm really curious about the COVID-19 opportunity. I mean, what did you kind of, what did you take from that? And then I'll share what I would take from that. 
Sure. So what they what they have kind of been saying all along, and I feel like they've been leading people a little bit at a time, right? Um, okay. But what they're saying is that humanity is going through a shift. And um, they're basically calling what we are as the third wave of humanity. And what they've, they've communicated is that humanity has um, the first wave and the second wave of humanity attempted to shift and wound up having to extinct themselves. And so I translate that as being like maybe the Atlantis or Lemuria, those kind of civilizations. Okay. And what they said is that um, we're the first one who are trying to shift from third wave to fourth wave while still embodied without a mass extinction event is kind of what they've, they've said. And so what they say the opportunity is, is this is the opportunity for us to sit back and re reevaluate everything, reevaluate our systems, reevaluate the way that we relate to one another, reevaluate how we handle health, how we handle our finances, how we handle religion, how we handle politics. And so they've been kind of outlining what those opportunities are and how we can choose to respond to them if we wish. But what they always want us to know is that it is how we could, not how we should. Ah, uh, the potential. And yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. Um, that's that's deep and awesome. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's it. Well, you know, it, it is. And I was kind of thinking. Um, you know, when you said COVID-19 opportunity is in similar ways, you know, you're talking about, you know, the different waves of humanity and like, you know, I think we have to stop and we have to slow ourselves down, you know, and it's, I think, you know, this is kind of, we're not at the pinnacle of technology, but it's almost like, um, we're climbing to that pinnacle and at the pinnacle of technology and how that integrates into our lives in some cases with artificial intelligence, you know, in, inside you, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, that that's kind of where the next end will be. <laughs> and so I think it's a time to slow down, like you said, reevaluate how you do everything, reevaluate, you know, reevaluate the technology that you have in your life, reevaluate, you know, uh, being in the present, you know, I'm always talking yes. about, we're so bing, 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 boom, you know, all day long, we're bombarded so much every day, all day long. And we always forget to slow down and like, be in the moment. If you're with somebody, be in that moment, not worry about tomorrow, quit thinking about yesterday. Yeah. And so I think it's it's almost like, you know, the virus did kind of in the shutdowns and how the public health guidance went. It's almost like, you know, it forced us to stop. But then I think we got into technology even more. <laughs> we all got into our phones more and you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. So that, that's a great, great channel. Wow. Well, and it's also about... Um rethinking how we treat one another and how we treat ourselves. Um, so I know before everything shut down, when somebody would say, hey, Karen, how are you doing? What's been going on? The first thing I would lead with is, oh, my God, I have been so busy. And then I would explain all of this stuff that I'd been right. doing. And most of it was stuff that didn't even matter, right? Mm -hmm. It was just stuff. 
And so when so many of us have been forced inside, we now cover this part of our face so that when we interact with people, what, what are we seeing? We're seeing the eyes, which are the windows to the soul. And so it's an opportunity for us to recognize our common humanity yes, and be kinder and to fill our lives with less BS, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's that's what it is, and we get to do with it what we will. Yeah, exactly. I I appreciate that you said you know recognizing the common humanity we all have because we've all lost it. Well, not I'm saying not everybody, but in general, as, it's been a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've lost that the the human yeah. connection that we the yeah. the actual human connection, not your avatar connection right. or whatever it's it, and so it's yeah it's, i just feel like it's so important to stop every once in a while and just be in the moment look at look around you <laughs> look at the things you have don't think about the things you want look at the things you have <laughs> oh yeah and i mean for for jim and i my husband and i we took um we, instead of doing what we would normally do, which is, you know, fly to someplace fabulous and dine well and drink well and, you know, shop well and all of that, we wound up taking um, a two-week road trip in um, October. Mm-hmm. And we just went to, we went to national parks and beautiful places. We went to Sedona. We went to the Grand Canyon, to Bryce Canyon at sunrise, to all of these incredibly beautiful places. And it reminded me that in spite of all of the busyness and stuff that I pack into life, when I am at my best and at my most connected and at my happiness, it's when I'm in nature. It has reminded me that nature is my church. And we wouldn't have gone on that trip. We would have been, we would have gone flown to Cancun and sat on the beach with our toes in the sand, sipping margaritas or something and said, which is great too. Right. But, um, but so, so we found other ways to do that. You know, I got to go to Yosemite. I've always wanted to go to Yosemite and I got to feel mm-hmm. the energy of those places because it wasn't teeming with people. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's probably a nice change. And yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, you mentioned Sedona. I've had always had lots of family in Sedona. And so I used to spend summers and probably the worst time of the year, but I used to spend summers down there. Um, with my grandparents and cousins and stuff. Oh, lucky and, you. Yeah. And so when I, you know, when I'm getting centered and kind of getting in my zone, I always find myself in Red Rock, narrow canyons, you know, that's where me I too. go. Yeah, oh, me yeah. too. That's like my, uh, when I, I, I drift off to sleep or before I, I meditate or something, I almost always wind up either in Sedona or at Mount Shasta, which is kind of a very Sedona like place as well. Yeah, I've never been to to Mount Shasta, but yeah, I'm always find myself in in like you know in Sedona, you know, red rocks everywhere and little canyons and stuff, and and it just, just feels yeah, yeah, you know. And as a kid, um, we went and visited you know the cave dwellings, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't recognize back then, but looking back. Now, I think I had an experience there, at least an energy experience, because I remember feeling super funny in there. (laughs) In like one of the Anasazi dwellings? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh And I mean, I think we were loud in there. Um, 
you know, and it's, I just remember thinking, gosh, why do I feel, you know, Oh, I feel weird. You know, as a kid, didn't know what to think yeah. of it. Looking back, I, I recognize what it was I was feeling. It's just, Oh, and that memory is just always stuck with me through growing up. So it's just a, a magical place to me. Yeah. And when you go to some places like that, it's like all the stuff going on in the world, all that, these, this stands the test of time, yep. this landscape. And it kind of makes you realize, okay, we're nothing but a speck in history here. <laughs> For know? sure. Yeah. And uh, so I actually have a theory about, cause I've sought out these places mm-hmm. um, and we've been to many and I just identified several of them, including Bryce Canyon, um, which has the hoodoos mm-hmm. and, um, and Sedona and Mount Shasta. And one of the things I've found that these places have in common is that there's a crap ton of rock and it is in like a bowl shape. So like you don't necessarily think of Yosemite as like this big spiritual ener- spiritually energetic place, but it is. And you've got all of that granite that surrounds you in kind of this bowl shape and it just just feels good. It's almost like a, a radio dish or a, mm-hmm. you know, satellite yeah, that's my dish theory. In, a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that would make sense. I, I would mm-hmm. have not have thought Yosemite was such a high energy place. Oh, magic. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I cried. I cried when we came into Yosemite. Aww. Same thing with first time I saw Bryce Canyon, just, I mean, and it was not, it was, I don't even know. It was like uncontrollable. Like I'm fine one minute and the next minute I'm like, Woo-hoo. fortunately Jim's used to me. So <laughs> the, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I hope to get back down to Sedona at some point and um, take my family there and oh, yeah. you know, let to. them, let them experience it. Um, well, I, I want to go back. I mean, we're having so much fun talking about other stuff. I wanted to go back to Wellington if we could. Sure. And I've, I've read your book, Avalanche of Spirits and thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, the history is cool. The, the story of what happens, not cool, but. Uh, but it's interesting. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. And so for uh, it's, it's in your book, Avalanche of Spirits. And then you have a follow-up to that, right? Dancing with the mm-hmm. Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't checked that one out yet, but I th- I'm going to have to. Um, but tell us a little bit for those listening out there. And by the way, if you're listening out there and you have any questions at all, I'm on the Facebook live feed. Let's talk radio's Facebook page or WLTKDB.com. Get on the station chat. Um, for those out there who don't really know much, can you give like just a summary of, you know, the history? Sure. So Wellington is a, um, is now the Iron Goat Trail, which is a rail to trails hiking trail up in the North Cascades in Washington state here. Um, it's on highway two in Washington state, just across from the ski area at highway two. And um, it is the site of the worst avalanche disaster in the history of the United States in terms of human life lost. It happened in 1910. It was March 1st of 1910. And there were two trains that were trying to get across the passes from Leavenworth just over to Seattle. One was a passenger train and one was a mail train. And um, it started to snow 
and it started to snow a lot. As a matter of fact, from what I've heard, the conditions up there this year are very similar to 1910. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, which is interesting. (laughs) Um, And so it snowed for seven or eight days straight. And these people were stuck at this little railroad town in the mountains at 4,100 feet called Wellington. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. I can't believe I remember all these details. It's been years since I wrote about this. They're just but intuitively anyway. coming in. Yeah. So <laughs> so they were stuck and um, they were stuck for days trying to just get across the passes. At the same time, the railroad workers were there and they were, this was 1910 folks. So they were digging by hand. They had rotary snow plows that would plow the railroad, but they would only go to like 11 feet or something. And this was an inch of snow an hour. I mean, oh, just man. massive amounts of snow. No, like a foot of was it a foot of snow an hour? Getting a, foot of snow. a foot of snow an hour. Excuse me, I had to Holy ask my shit. history fact checker over here. <laughs> it was seventeen to twenty feet deep, and so um, they had actually gotten to a place where several of the passengers on the train and a couple of the railroad guys had hiked out. And as a, like a scouting party and they were going to, they sent word back to the people that were stuck on the trains that they were going to be able to, that they could hike out the next morning. So they were all excited. They had this big party the night before on the night of February 28th. They had a party, there was drinking, there was dancing, there was music. They went to bed. Well, at one forty-two in the morning, it had started to rain and then a lightning storm came in. There was a lightning strike that hit the hill above the mountain. It sheared off a half mile long, um, place, a sheet of snow and ice that came down the mountain. It knocked those trains into the valley below, and about a hundred people were killed. Some people lived through it as well. And so, it's a very little known historic event, which is really strange to me. But it makes sense because it was the Great Northern Rail- Railroad, and they wanted to cover it up because who wants to hear a hundred lives lost? Right. Right. And so, yeah, and so they, uh, a bunch of people died there, and they actually had to, like, dive into the snow head first, like they were diving into the water to recover bodies. And the last body wasn't recovered until July. And this oh. happened in March, right? Oh Just because of the snow melting? Yeah. And so um, it's an incredibly haunted place. I... Almost everybody I know who's ever been there has had an experience. Have you been there? I haven't been there yet. It's See, it's, it's on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you have the do you have a photo? So anyway, Jim's bringing this is Jim is very helpful. So um I actually was really very fascinated with Wellington from the very first time I heard about it. Okay. Incredibly fascinated to the point that I heard about it in February and it's under snow, obviously, if there was an avalanche there, right? right? It's under snow and you can't get in until around the 4th of July. And so from February until July, I nagged Jim, we need to go to Wellington. We need to go to Wellington. I want to go to Wellington. We need to go to Wellington. And he was like, we can't get there unless you want a snowshoe. Well, I didn't. And I also did not want a snowmobile or die. <laughs> um, and so we finally get up there. Um, and this was, by the way, I was still very, I had had experiences as a psychic when I was a young child. And then in my 20s, I lived in a haunted apartment. And I just decided that that did not track logically with my background, my education, um, the way that I was raised religiously, my all of those sure. things. And so I, I absolutely was like, well, this is just BS. 
So I didn't believe in any of this crap at this point. So I went up to Wellington after being obsessed with it um, and had crazy experiences there. And it really became the place where I was awakened to my abilities again. And I started to remember who I was. And so what Jim handed me is that there was a lady that I was super obsessed with who died on the train. Her name was Nellie Sharp. Um, And she was um, in her 20s. She was divorced. She was a writer. She was a golfer, which I am, which you wouldn't know. She was a musician. She was in the um, great San Francisco earthquake. Well, I was actually in San Francisco the day before that really big one. And I told my husband, yeah, I told him, I was like, we have to get out of here. There's going to be an earthquake. And we left the day before the earthquake. So anyway, so all this stuff. So I I got in contact (laughs) with this guy. His name was Dr. Walter Semkew, and he's a, a, a past life researcher. And I said, this is so strange. Could it be? And he was like, well, do you have a picture? So somebody I knew got me a picture of Nellie Sharp, who this lady is. And I don't know. Can you see her? Yeah. (laughs) She looks a little like me, doesn't she? She has the same eyes. (laughs) Same nose. Yeah. Chin, everything. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, wow. <laughs> so I feel like there, that obsession may have been a past life thing, a past life connection, but I also feel like it was um, because it was, I was always supposed to go there to reawaken this because this is my path in life and I was blowing it, man. It, I totally agree with you. It was yeah. them telling you, no, no, this is what you need to do. I mean, why, yeah. w- why did you get obsessed with it? You know, yeah, yeah, and so that was my first book. That was the first book. Yep, that was my first book. I mean, I was a writer, I was writing for a company. Um, I was writing about industrial automation equipment. Doesn't that sound exciting? Yes, sounds fascinating. It was really (laughs) awful, but I did meet my husband there, so all good. Um, well, there you go, but, but. It is why it's what got me back into what I do now. And um, God, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it seems like it. They they just kind of course corrected you. <laughs> they <laughs> smacked me upside the head with a. Two, I call it the universal <laughs> two by four, and I truly believe that we have free will to do whatever we want. But when we are doing what we didn't set out to do in this life and what we thought we were, what we originally agreed to do when we were souls, I do believe that the universe will come and smack you upside the head with a two by four to sort of try and course correct you. And it did. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that one. And (laughs) I don't know how many times I've heard people in the paranormal field, you know, um, mediums, psychics, empaths that, yeah, it just comes and smacks you right upside the head. Yeah, well, I have to tell you, because you might actually know this place, the haunted place I lived in was in Bremerton when I was 21. Okay. And it was former World War II um, Navy housing. Navy and housing, yeah. On, on Manette there, down on the cove. It's those little two-story with the multicolors. In the, in, Bremerton, they were have... called the Bremerton Garden Apartments. Now they're called the Sea Glass Apartments. Yeah, and it's on the uh, Seattle side of the bridge, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. You okay, can see yeah. it like if you're on the Turner Joy. Yeah, I yeah, I can see why 
I've never been to those, but I could see they look creepy. <laughs> they were. I used to, I was 21. I was married to a guy in the Navy. So I was really young. First apartment out of college. He would go out to sea and I would say, there's something in the apartment. He'd be like, oh, honey, because he was a Navy nuke and you know how they are. They're very linear, right? He was like, oh, no, you're, well, there would, I would be in bed and I would hear footsteps walking down the hallway of this little teeny one bedroom apartment. And I would feel the bed depressed next to me. And someone would lean over and whisper, I love you in my ear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And my sinks would turn on and off and my cupboard doors would open and close. And the kicker was I came home one night um, and my husband was out to see, I was the only person who lived in this apartment we had. Now I'd like to remind you before I tell you this, I was 21. Okay. Sure. Sure. But we had a six foot inflatable Godzilla that lived in the corner of our living room. Okay. I came home from the gym in the afternoon and he was sitting in the middle of my bed. <laughs> Somebody liked the Godzilla, I guess. <laughs> I spent that night at the super K the okay. hotel. I, there was yeah. no way I was going to be. <laughs> we moved shortly thereafter. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Those, I, I know exactly where you're talking about those. Mm -hmm. They're, they're still brightly colored. I would love um, to, they've fixed them up, I noticed, but I would love to go back to that apartment and just sort of see what's up. Well, now, yeah, go, yeah, see, see what's there. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, and if any local listeners out there uh, here in Kitsap, you ever been, had an experience at those places, put it up on the station chat or the Let's Talk Radio on Facebook. Uh, yeah, let me know. I'm really curious because I swear other people have to have had experience because I had intense experiences there and I didn't believe in that crap. That's pretty intense for yeah. sure. Man. Um, so, you know, going back to Wellington, I just, what's, what was like your, um, you know, you said you kind of, it kind of awakened you to yeah. what you're supposed to do. Was there a specific experience or was it just kind of like, a bunch of experiences together that so really from, changed you or, you know, talk yeah, about that from the bit. first minute that I, for, so first of all, the obsession was not super normal. Right. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of the start of it. But then from the first moment I stepped, I stepped into, there's a big snow shed there that they built to protect the train tracks after this right. apple. And now it's the train tracks aren't there anymore. It's just this trail. Mm -hmm. So I stepped into that snow shed. It's a half mile long concrete behemoth. It's just that the fact that they built this in the 1910s is crazy to me without engineering. And I mean, it's really, and so, but when I first stepped in there, the way that I described it was, I was like, wow, you can really feel the weight of history here. I mean, I felt something, right? Sure. And then that night I started everywhere I went, there were people I poking me, whispering my ear, pulling my hair, all kinds of stuff. And I know that they were trying to get my attention. And it took me probably, um, I mean, it took me all summer. We went up there probably 10 times that summer. And it's a three and a half hour drive from where we live. And um, it took me all summer to really be like, okay, this you can't is, deny this. Yeah. Right. And, and so, and it just, from there, I mean, there was no looking back when you have those experiences. And one of the little spirits came home with us, a little boy named Leonard, who was three years old. I actually saw him 
I saw what he was wearing. I had his age, and then I was able to look up in historical records and find him. Oh, that's great validation. Yeah, and so then I started seeking out experiences. And as I sought out the experiences, what I would find is that I would get information, and then I would look it up, and it would be right. That's that's a great validation. I mean, that you can't ask it's for what better I needed. than that. Yeah. yeah, it's what I needed, or I don't know what I would be doing now. Wow. Well, yeah. I, we're glad that they hit you in the head with the two by four. They did. Still got the bump. Yeah. And so my, my wife just commented, Molly, and she said she had a friend that used to live there in those Bremerton apartments, and it, and it always had a bit of a feeling to it. Really? So, sounds oh, like I'll have to ask you, her Molly. about that. Yeah, I would love to. It, let me know what you find out because I'm super curious because – I, like I said, I was so young and it was so long ago, but yeah, it was, they were. You had the intense experiences though. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not even like really seems like normal experiences someone would have with the paranormal. That's no, but that might've been two by four stuff too. <laughs> that might've been the, the universe's first attempt. And I was like, no. Yeah. And you're young and you're like, yep. yeah, you no paying attention to that. Right. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned it at Wellington that, you know, you had things kind of touching your hair, mm-hmm. you know, t- Oh, tugging the tugging. Yeah. So I don't know it. I wouldn't like that, but I mean, how did you react? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't have much hair to pull on. Right. Um, you know, so I mean, how did you take that? I mean, I, oh, gosh. I mean, I think. It was so undeniable that there was only one way I could take it. And so what I will tell you is because of the experiences I had there and the experiences I had in the place when I was 21, and my first, um, I'm a very curious person. I always want to know everything about everything. So my first, whenever I have an experience I can't explain, I try to find out everything I possibly can about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I just went on a mission to figure out. And I talked to people and I talked to dozens of people who had experiences. And then when I started, when I um, wrote the book, I had people start emailing me about their experiences. And I mean, so it seems weird that I was just like, okay. Right. But that's what I was. I was okay. (laughs) I don't know. This is a thing. Yeah. I feel like I've only um, been physically touched once that I, that I feel like I recognize as being touched and it, and it was interesting and made that area where it touched me like very numb. It was basically, I think somebody gave me a hug. And so it was the feeling of this numbness and coldness went around my back and just felt like when you get a shot of Novocaine, Mm -hmm. you know, and your lips are not like, it just felt like that. And, yeah, uh, it's that. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I actually saw my first full-bodied apparition up at Wellington too. And the second I saw it, there was a feeling that I have never felt before in my life. I mean, it was like shot through me like I, I, I don't <laughs> even. It was just. I mean, I knew there was yeah. no question that what I was seeing was a full body. There was just, I just, and I think that I needed those experiences to be that definitive or because I was just so skeptical. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, that's why they had the two by four for you. Right. 
Um, it's Rob St. Helen says it's such a wonderful place in a strange way and that he's had his jacket tugged on there. So, well, yeah, I actually was there the very first time Rob came up and, um, there are people either really get it or they really don't. And Rob, (laughs) yeah, I saw, I, it was first time I ever met Rob and I remember we were down, we had, um, like, climbed down a hill into where all the there's still debris there from the trains i was going to ask you know what's still down there yeah yeah and so we had climbed down you have to actually jim will take ropes and we'll kind of i mean because it's pretty steep right okay sure, um, sure. and so but there's a, a ton of debris and we were down there and i remember looking at rob and i saw him and there was this look on his face and i remember looking at him and just saying you get it i mean he <laughs> got it yeah Gosh, I need to get there. You really do. And, you know, we go up every summer. All right. Yeah, yeah. I definitely need to get up there. And yeah. I want to I see what it feels like there and, yeah. and just see, see what I can experience. Um, you know, I, I don't know about the if, – if I, I don't want anybody tugging on me. Tell but them. Tell them they're, I mean, they're pretty respectful. I'd rather just see them. Yeah you know, and have a conversation with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just tell them. Yeah. Right. I don't, that's, that's you, like anywhere. Yeah. Honey, have you ever been touched up there? You had yeah. once. Yeah. Jim was touched up there once. Yeah. And he's only had a couple experiences where something's actually touched him. The poor guy, I drag him everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> and you know, he's, he's really done well with it. But he had an experience being touched there and also down at the Klondike in St. Helens, Oregon. Uh-huh. And yeah. then here in Chehalis at the Veterans Museum, he had an experience where he was touched, oh, which really? makes sense because he's former military. Yeah. Right. Yep. He's a vet too. Yep. Um, well, that's cool. And so tell us a little bit about, did, have you had any experiences? We're going to be taking a top of the hour station break here in a few minutes, but um, tell us a little bit about the Lewis County uh, Historical Museum and what sure. kind of experiences you've had there. Sure. I actually wrote a book about the Lewis County Historical Museum as well. Um, so I, yeah, on your list. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, when I moved into town, I had a lot of people telling me when I wrote my first book, I had a lot of people saying, Oh, well, you need to go to the Lewis County historical museum. So finally I did. And, um, I, one time at one point I captured something like 15 EVPs in like a seven minute period. I mean, that's insane. Right. Um, We've seen apparitions. We've had things thrown at us. I was, I remember one time we were up in the attic and um, I, there was this big bang and I looked down and there was a book that had landed. The books are kept on the other side of the attic. Um, okay. And the book had landed at our feet and the book was called, are you ready for this? Oh, Natural law in the spiritual world. <laughs> Here, read this. <laughs> we had a pen thrown at us. Like we were just sitting there. Um, we had set up a laser grid and we were just looking down the gallery. We were kind of sitting there. Um, and I kept feeling like this energy kind of going whoosh past us, right? Whoosh. And I and um, we were just kind of sitting there talking. And all of a sudden there was this huge bang, like to the point that I thought somebody had shot out one of the windows, like driven oh, by wow. and shot out one of the windows turned on the lights um, and the pen that had been at the sign in book and we were all together. We, nobody was by that sign in book had been thrown probably 20 feet 
and bounce <laughs> off a display case with such force it sounded like somebody shot out a window. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and it didn't it, it didn't break the glass. Hopefully. Mm-mm. No, it's just wow. a little clicky pin. Yeah. Well, you know, how did that pen move? <laughs> that's that's an. No, and then we we also had a pencil thrown at us in the attic before. There was a chair up in the attic where you would walk down one aisle. And the chair would be like in a corner and you'd walk down the other aisle and the chair would be sitting in the middle of the aisle. <laughs> so, so a lot of physical activity mm-hmm. there. What do you think it's, um, do you think it's tied to the, to the objects? That's what's hanging out there or is it the site that it's built on? So yes to both, but also there was something else going on. So at the time, um, when we were when we were starting to get this increasingly, I would almost call it vi- not violent, but the aggressive stuff, the stuff throwing. Yeah. Um, an employee was embezzling the funds from the museum, and the museum had a lease with the with the Great Northern or with the railroad company with Burlington Northern that okay. if they stopped if there stopped being a museum, the building was going to be torn down. And this person had embezzled all of the funds. There was nothing. There was no money to pay for the lights. There was nothing. I think it was a warning. It, it sounds like it. And mm-hmm. gosh, you just, you're in the, <laughs> you get all the cool stuff. <laughs> well, but I think that there's a reason. And I think that, that yeah. it's all, it's all part of that universal two by four, because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't going to believe it until I was doing it. Well, you know? yeah, and it seems like you're really good at picking out signs or recognizing signs of things. And I, I think that's an important part of doing mediumship work and probably, you know, with healing as well, because I don't really yeah. do healing. Well, let's continue on uh, on the conversation. We're going to take a top of the hour news break. So this is a little bit longer break to pay the station bills. We're on Let's Talk Radio, WL2KDB.com. I'm your host, Peter Orbea on the Paranormal Pete Show with guest Karen Frazier tonight. We'll see you on the flip side. An arrest made. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. Police in Georgia say a man is in custody in a series of shootings at three Atlanta-area massage parlors that left eight people dead. Police say most of the victims were women, and they appear to be of Asian descent. The suspect was identified as Robert Aaron Long. He's 21 years old. He lives in unincorporated Cherokee County. Uh, we put out his image to the assignment desk a little while ago. I'm not sure if everyone got it or not, but he is currently in custody in Crisp County. Captain Jay Baker with the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, and he says police used a pit maneuver to capture the suspect after he was spotted in his vehicle and he was taken into custody without incident. A motive for the shootings is not yet known. A West Virginia man pleads guilty to selling guns to so the so-called far-right extremists. Timothy John Watson pleaded guilty to a charge of possessing an unregistered firearm silencer. A plea agreement led to other potential charges being dropped. Prosecutors say Watson used a bogus website to sell gun attachments that made semi-automatic weapons fully automatic. The devices were allegedly sold to supporters of the Boogaloo movement that harbored talk of starting a second civil war. Watson's lawyer says his client is not an extremist and ran a legitimate online business selling wall hangers. Watson faces 10 years in prison at sentencing, which has not yet been scheduled. 
Grinnell Scott, Fox News. President Biden spent this afternoon in Pennsylvania selling what he's dubbed the American Rescue Plan. We're in a position where it's going to bring immediate relief, $1,400 to 85% of the American public. The president says an inspector general will make sure the money for business will go to small businesses which have been hurting during the pandemic. Vice President Harris and the First Lady have also been traveling, touting the benefits of the package. America is listening to Fox News. I don't know who needs to hear this, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today. And you can. With Headspace, they make meditation simple. Headspace is the one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash fox for a free one-month trial. This is the best deal offered right now. Headspace.com slash fox. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer touting last week's passage of what President Biden calls the American Rescue Plan, saying companies are scaling back layoffs due to the passage of the plan. And he said the Senate is going to keep working to make sure support for businesses remains intact over the next few months. He echoed President Biden's words from yesterday. A hundred million shots in people's arms and a hundred million checks in people's pockets. Democrats are delivering what we promised. Republicans argue the nearly $2 trillion plan has a lot of money allocated to things that have nothing to do with COVID relief. The European Union's drug regulator is backing AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine even as more than a dozen countries stop using it. The European Union's medicines agency says it remains convinced the benefits of AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine outweigh the risks. More than a dozen European countries have stopped using the shot after reports some recipients went on to develop dangerous blood clots. Is this a real side effect to the vaccine or is it a coincidence? European Medicines Agency Executive Director Ema Cook says experts are investigating but so far there is no indication that vaccination has caused these conditions. Many European countries including Britain continue to use the shot. In London, Simon Owen, Fox News. Actor Yafet Kodo, who played the villain Mr. Big in the James Bond film Live and Let Die, technician Dennis Parker in 1979's Alien, and Lieutenant Al Giardello on the groundbreaking 1990s series Homicide, Life on the Street, has died. You can't serve two masters, Michael. And what's becoming clear to me is that you're only answerable to your bosses at the Bureau. Koto was nominated for an Emmy for his performance as Ugandan dictator Idi Amin in the TV movie. Yafet Koto was 81. I'm Lisa Lacera, and this is Fox News. Others say it. We prove it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Well, they sing the truth. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Peter Bay, on the Paranormal Pete Show. We're at the top of the second hour. Uh, episode 14 with special guest Karen Frazier. And, um, gosh, we've been talking about a lot of cool stuff. Karen's had some really great experiences that kind of make you, 
you know, I hope people out there listening will pay attention to that two by four. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, it, when it hits you, we had a comment uh, during the break on the Facebook feed on the Let's Talk Radio um, Facebook page and, and uh, from Kristen. And she said that she thinks certain people are picked spiritually to be a caregiver of sorts to haunt these haunted locations until they're no longer needed. I know for a fact that's what pulled me to the Kenton station. There was some shady activity being done by another paranormal team. So, yeah, it's almost like you get picked. Um, it sounds like you were picked to go to Wellington. Well, and for, you were picked for, sure. for Fort Gamble. I mean, for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and the more time that goes by, you know, the more, more I feel that. And, you know, I like to tell the long-term residents here that, you know, I'll take care of you. You take care of me. And so far it's working out great. <laughs> so. That's good. Well, the residents there are interesting as well. I've had, I've had experiences in Port Gamble too. So yeah. Was it Walker Ames house or. Um, no. Well, first of all, at the little rental that we stay at. <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah. And then um, at the theater. Okay. I've had experiences in Walker Ames as well, but in the theater, I was there with um, a, a friend doing an event, and there was, I mean, we actually, I have, we heard the piano playing, um, and then we were the only ones in the building, and we actually went downstairs for a minute, and the doors upstairs, like, started rattling. Oh, nice. <laughs> I wonder yeah, who that was. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, this place is energetic for sure. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to drive through there when I was living in Kitsap County um, back in the 80s and 90s. And um, every time we'd go to Port Gamble, and I didn't know this at the time, I we would drive through and I'd be like, this town is so haunted. <laughs> you just tell by looking uh, uh, down in Jerome in Arizona, um, that place driving through there as a kid, I just... I would see the lights on and in building up on the hillsiders. And I just felt so creeped out every time we drove through there, which was, you know, most summers I go down there and then coming back. And, uh, I just always felt like, Oh, I I knew that place was haunted. (laughs) It's yeah. I, I, we were there a couple years ago. Um, and, the drive up to Jerome was a little terrifying. It was raining at the time. Oh, nice. And so I was already a little twitchy from the rain. And yeah, we went up and we kind of drove up through the town a little bit. And there's definitely a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you can feel it. Yeah. There's um, a feeling. Yeah. And Kristen had commented about the uh, vacation rentals that the year that the conference was moved to the casino, the rental house was really crazy active. Like it was it, like they missed everyone. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a lot. It was. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. And I've heard of uh, a couple times, you know, people staying there reported, you know, activity in, in both houses. I had my mm-hmm. own experience in the green one. And um, basically Is that the one on the left when you yes. come down. Okay. Yep. It's the one on the left. That's where we and, had more stars. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah, my experience was on the second floor there. Yeah. And I was talking to my brother and I think he was shaving in the bathroom. And so we were just kind of chit-chatting 
and a little girl says, Hey, do you want to come play? And he said, <laughs> he, he said, no, sweetie, I'm shaving. Cause it sounded like his daughter. Well, as he was saying that I could see outside away from the house, his daughter was out running around <laughs> in the yard. <laughs> and they're great places to stay too. I mean, just, yeah. just, it, it's a great way to experience Port Gamble. For sure. I place your red on the water and everything yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, before the break, um, you were sharing, you know, so some of your experiences uh, at the Lewis County historical museum oh, and mm-hmm. the, the physical activity. And do you felt that, you know, a lot of the activity may have been a warning mm-hmm. uh, because of some bad stuff going on. And it kind of made me realize with all the, experiences you've been talking about you're really good at identifying signs and that makes me think about your work you've done with dreams and dream interpretation and because i feel like that is you have to identify signs and dreams to interpret them right um you know what kind of got you interested in dream interpretation and we're going to talk about that a little bit well so i've done it for years for myself Um, I've always been an incredibly vivid dreamer. I remember when I was maybe like 14 or 15, I went downstairs um, and no, actually first when I was a little kid, I went downstairs and I had been having some kind of a vivid dream. I went down to my parents' room. My parents' bedroom was downstairs. Mine was upstairs and we lived in like a house that was about a hundred years old um, up in Bellingham. And so I went down downstairs and I went into my parents' room and I said, I'm ready to go home now. And they said, what? (laughs) You are home. And so, um, and then when I was about 15, I had this really intense dream. And it was, uh, and I was describing it to my dad. And my dad said, maybe it was a past life that you were dreaming about. And that really got me started thinking about dreams. And so I really started to look into the interpretation of them. And then, of course, when I was in college, I took, you know, your basic ologies, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Psychology, sociology. And um, dream interpretation is part of the basic psychology psychology curriculum because (laughs) they they cover Jung and Freud. Um, And so I really started looking up dream symbols and analyzing my dreams um, from like the time I was a college student on. And then my friends started asking me, Hey, I had this dream. What do you think this means? And, um, then after I had the whole Wellington experience and I'd been having all of these dreams and everything else, and I started to remember and reawaken to my abilities, I realized that the symbols that I was interpreting in dreams were also the symbols that often came to me with the imagery when I was working psychically. And yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of difference, but they're very similar. Um, And so I believe it's all part of the same coin. And so I think this is a coin. Um, And so I think that I think that um, people who want to start to work with their psychic abilities can often start from a space of dreaming. And all they do is um, write down kind of the basic details of their dream, right? Like as soon as you wake up, because if you wake up and don't record it, you forget it almost immediately. Dreams are incredibly ephemeral that way. 
And so um, write that stuff down, even if it's in the middle of the night and you just have to reach over next to you on the bedside table and scribble two words so you remember something that'll trigger you. And then you can look at any dream dictionary. Honestly, most dream dictionaries are going to have kind of the same information in them. Mm -hmm. So you can look at any dream dictionary and start to look at the symbols and, um, and it just makes a lot of sense. And, I found, because then I started writing a dream interpretation column for Paranormal Underground Magazine. Um, So that's when I kind of started doing professionally. And what I found is people would write their dreams to me, and I would interpret them. And people would be like, oh, my God, that is dead on. How do you get that from this? And, And so what I recognized is that it's a good path to your higher guidance, If you learn how to interpret it. And so I'm a big believer in, um, in all of the work I do. My goal is always to empower people to do it themselves so that they don't need me, which seems like a really stupid business plan, (laughs) but it's, I, I just think that everybody has these abilities. Everybody has some kind of psychic ability. Everybody has internal guidance. Everybody has dreams. And so what I want to do is empower people so that they can find the same kind of power that I've found in my own life and find their own paths through, through starting to recognize the intuitive information, however it comes to them, whether it's through dreams or some other way. That's a noble cause. (laughs) I I think that's awesome. Um, And well, you have a, a dream handbook. Yeah, um, I do. And, and by the way, we'll mention authorkarenfraser.com. Yes. Go check that out and you can see all the books that we're, we're touching on here. Um, now, I think that's great that I, I hadn't really thought of, I mean, I knew dreams had a connection mm-hmm. with your higher self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always thought of, you know, dreams where you're jumping really high or flying, you yeah. know, uh, and then plummeting back down, <laughs> plummeting back down. And, you know, that there's, by the there's... way, if you land, you will not die in real life. That is a myth. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I've just noticed that um, there is some sort of connection with your own psychic ability. For sure. Um, but it's, it seems like it's, that might be an easier pathway for someone just starting out to, you know, start there rather than trying to do maybe, um, you know, some other type of psychic development in that, that you think that's just a a good way for, let's just say, quote unquote, the average person. I do. Um, And it's super cool because I teach classes on dream interpretation and it's really fun to watch the lights come on as people start to do this and realize they can do it. It is so easy. And I can give you guys a great resource, which is free. It's called DreamMoods.com. Just look up your dream symbol and see how it all flows together. It's yeah, it's, it's an amazing way to, it's an amazing way to start to tap into your intuition. And that was DreamMoods.com. DreamMoods.com. Not affiliated awesome. with me at all, but it's a fabulous resource. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. And I hope listeners out there will, will go check that out. Um, I'm going to write that down and I'll, I'll post that later. That sounds really okay, interesting. Cool. Um, and so I'm curious then, since you've been paying attention to your dreams uh, for quite some time, 
is there a, like a recurring one or is there any, is there a recurring dream that's kind of, you know, that's stuck with you? And is there a dream that you haven't been able to crack yet? There is not a dream I have not been able to crack. Okay. <laughs> um, because I understand how the symbols work. And okay. so, and also because I work with it, I, I work with the symbolism and intuitively, um, you know, I used to have these recurring dreams and I bet you that I can tell you this dream and you will be able to interpret it. Okay. Okay. So this was when I was in my, my twenties. Okay. I was in my car. Other people okay. have had this dream, by the way, my car okay. is barreling down a hill. Okay. There's a lake at the bottom of the hill. Okay. My steering doesn't work. My brakes don't work. Okay. And I'm just flying down the hill. What do you and, think that would be about? Uh, you feeling like uh, your life's out of control and you can't control it? Look at that. You can do it too. <laughs> Hot damn. <laughs> yeah. And then I had that. And then I would have elevator dreams that were kind of the same where I would go, I would get on an elevator and no matter what I did, the elevator wouldn't stop at my freaking floor. Same meaning, but just same a different... meaning. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, I'm hoping that people listening out there um, are thinking about their, they're probably thinking about their dreams right now. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> probably. I mean, and there are some really common ones, like a naked dream, right? Naked in public or in your underwear in public. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's about feeling vulnerable and exposed. I and mean, that's of, it. Out if of your you, comfort zone. Out of your comfort zone. Yep. Um, one of the biggest ones, this is the most common recurring dream. Almost everybody I tell nods. You've probably had it. You're okay. back in school. Okay. You have a test. You either have not studied for said test or you have not been to class. So you have no idea where your class is. Have you had that dream? Pete? Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's about that dream is about um, fears about our competence in our adult lives and our, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome that we all have. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's what what it's about. Oh, interesting. That makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I, I worked in the wedding industry for, you know, for a while and I've had dreams about weddings where just nothing went right. And it just, you know, I yeah. think it's that same sort of thing. It it was is. Just nothing was going right. Yep. And it, you know, it just couldn't be fixed. Everything was late. Yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> exactly what it is. It's that, it's that imposter syndrome that am I as competent as I pretend? Because I think we all feel like we project more competent. I mean, not there's the opposite, the Dunning-Kruger syndrome where, you know, <laughs> the, the people who think that they're really competent, but aren't. Right. So that's kind of a, it has its own pathology. That's a whole different thing. But <laughs> most people have this experience of imposter syndrome where we're constantly checking ourselves and saying, am I really as good as I'm projecting to the world? Am I as really as good at this? Am I, and, and so that often shows up in our dreams. As a matter of fact, that's the most common thing that shows up in our dreams is this kind of, because it's the place where it's safe for us to explore that and express that because we're not mm-hmm. going to say it to each other. Yeah. And it's probably something that's just in the very back of everyone's mm-hmm. mind you know, subconsciously, it's always, yep. always there. Yep. Um, so I've had, have you met 
I'm, I'm going to ask you this question and then I'm going to share some dreams I've had okay. with you and see, see what you think. Do you, have you seen, or do you in like a sort of, I guess a livid um, lucid dream sort of setting, have you met your guides there, your spirit guides? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And is it pretty common? Like, do you, like you remember that pretty often or is it something you I, have to write down? I or? do. I remember it more now than I used to, but you always should write it down um, because you always want to be able to go back and look at it later. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is guidance. So yeah, I have met my spirit guides in my dreams many times because dreams are the easiest place for them to get through to us. Same reason that dead people often will come to people in dreams is because it is the easiest place to get through to somebody who's skeptical. Wow. And I'll just put out there if anybody's got a question about a dream and you can briefly summarize it in like one or two sentences, go ahead and comment on the chat. Oh and God, I'm going to dream about being in school tonight. And not, not oh, no. Or I'm going to dream about being naked in public. One of those is going to happen. Just so you know. Sorry. Um, well, I just, so, I mean, I guess a follow-up question would be, was it easy to identify a spirit guide through your dreams? It depends okay. on when I had the dream. When I was oh, okay. younger, absolutely not. I just thought they were dreams. Right. As I, as I started to have these experiences, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I had, um, when we were, when we did the Disneyland trip last year, when we were in Orange County, okay. and I said that the Georges were starting to communicate with me, I had this dream and it was while we were, we were staying in Laguna beach. I had a dream in the hotel that night that I was in this metal room and there was this round table that had lights, a ring of lights going around it. And um, I would be asked a question and give an answer and the lights would either affirm what I was saying or they wouldn't. Oh, okay. And that was the start of the Georges telling me, guess what? (laughs) So that was very clear to me that it was a guidance dream. That's really cool. And and so once you can start identifying, it probably gets a little easier as time goes on, I would imagine. So what I, what I wanted to share was, so I've, I've had this dream um, since I was a little kid, since I can remember and there's these four beings and I would always be, I don't know how to describe it. It just seemed like I was just not on earth. <laughs> it could just you see like them? A, I, I could see them. So Are they elongated. Yeah. I couldn't okay, see their on. face. I couldn't. Yeah. yeah I, I couldn't see their faces really. Mm-hmm. I could, I could never really quite see their faces because, and I know you don't like star Wars, but they had like these, kind of jedi hoods okay like these big hoods who doesn't like star wars come on (laughs) well you said you weren't into it i'm not a huge star wars fan (laughs) i'm a star wars yeah no i so i get yeah (laughs) but so i can never i can never quite see their faces Mm -hmm. but they they were always about a foot off the ground like floating Mm -hmm. and they had really long fingers you know, that always stuck out to me and their skin was kind of bluish. 
intoned. And I just couldn't quite see their faces, but it seemed like they would have had white hair with kind of a blue, like white long hair with kind of a bluish skin tone. And they would never say anything. And I was just there and I could just see them and they could, they could uh, apport things with their hands, you know, materialize an object. And, you know, oftentimes it was like some sort of knife or something, and it would just kind of spin between their hands. And I, you know, honestly, I haven't had that dream for probably uh, at least a year, but it goes back to when I was, you know, probably seven, six, seven years old. And once I kind of had my own awakening experience, it took me a couple of years And then I started thinking, well, geez, I wonder if these are my, these are some of my guides from up there, not necessarily organically from earth. Yeah. So my, my first question is um, that I always ask people when they ask me about a dream is what do you think it means? Because I tend to think that people's instincts are on the money, on the money. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, growing up, I was always kind of confused by it. Like, I didn't know why I was having it. Sure. Um, because, you know, but it was the same beings each time. Yeah. And like I said, nothing was spoken verbally. Yeah. And, and it's possibly there was communication going on non-verbally. And I just, you know, the mm-hmm. kid and, you know, didn't receive it. But um, so I was, I was just wondering if it's, can you kind of easily identify guides and dreams? Because now looking back, I'm kind of wondering if they're supposed to be who I listen to. So I've been trying to reach out to them more in my psychic work to get information. And I feel like I get information a little differently now than a few years ago. Yeah. I think that's good. So um, the dreams, did they have a different quality than your other dreams? Typically uh, more specifically, like almost like a hyper reality versus kind of that dreamy. Yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like it, like it seemed like it was, it, it felt like it was zero gravity, but my feet were on the ground, you know, and like mm-hmm. if there was stuff in the air, it was just kind of hanging there, like it stopped yep. in time. Um, so yeah, I would say, well, I mean, I've, I've had plenty of other weird hyper real dreams. Sure. Um, <laughs> your medium you're going to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of my dreams consist of fighting goblins and vampires and like i'm in well, the you need to change what you watch on tv or something I'm, <laughs> apparently but uh i mean i like science fiction yeah um but like i have like a you know i always have like a rapier sword and you know or a, some sort of you know medieval fencing type sword and we're just running around like saving a village and <laughs> and then all of a sudden i'll be on like mc escher staircases you know, doing the same. Oh yeah. Those are just, those are, yeah. I mean, that's, those are all interpretable dreams. Yeah. Um, But the one that you're, the one you're specifically talking, like, yeah, I knew that they were elongated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's often how your guides, you see them because they are, um, so they they take human form for us. That's not their form. 
And so I think that sometimes, but I think that they like have a little bit off about them so that you recognize that it's different than another dream. So I, I do. I think that those are your guides. I think that they've been trying to communicate with you since you were very young. And I think that if you went to sleep tonight and said, guides, come to me in a dream, you would have that dream tonight. And then you can lucidly ask them, hey. What do I need to know? Yeah. And, and I do that before I go to bed at night. Um, most nights, sometimes I forget. But most nights I say, tell me what I need to know before I yeah. go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that in... I hope the listeners out there will try that too. If you've, if you've been missing a connection or trying to make a connection, that sounds like a great way yep. to, to get that going. Well, th- thanks for uh, hearing me out on that. <laughs> no. And the color is interesting because the way that you describe them, like the color of their skin, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bluish, like almost a violet blue, right? Like kind of an indigo. Uh, like it's more skin. of a, it's more of a, like a sky or a powder blue. Okay, so like, that's going to be associated with, with communication, and that's going to be throat chakra stuff. And so either they're trying to communicate with you or they want you to communicate something with someone. Okay, yeah, yeah. which that could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and say, go ahead mm-hmm. and, 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 and visit me tonight. Um, and, and you may curious. need to do it for a few nights. I mean, you may need oh, to sure, do it consistently, sure. but, but they will, uh, you ask, they come, you yeah. ask for guidance and dreams. It comes. Yeah. I mean, I used to have it a lot as a kid and mm-hmm. then it kind of slowed down over the years. And like I said, I haven't had one for at least a year. Um, with well, that, I don't so. want to use the word grooming because that sounds creepy, but I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> it, it, it can, conditioning um sure. preparing yeah they were readying you for what you Re- do now rehearsing we'll use yeah. a music we'll use a musical term rehearsing. there you go that's probably <laughs> better than grooming which sounds creepy <laughs> so, oh, i love it um so okay so dreams log them down if you can scribble mm-hmm. a couple words um mm-hmm. i'm always talking about that with you know, if you're doing an investigation, you know, logging everything down or if you're psychically investigating, yep, log everything down or take a take an audio device and do a vocal log. Um, so you can keep all that. What kind right, of because how do you know if if you're right or if it bears out if you don't record it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and if you record your do a vocal log, you can almost, you can get the emotion and, and the feeling a little bit from when, what you're saying and when you're saying it. Yep. It's a great piece of advice. It's a great piece of advice for people who want to develop psychic abilities for people who want to have dreams. The other thing I want to mention, Pete, is if you have um, amethyst, mm-hmm. keep it next to I the do. bed or between your mattress and box spring, and that will facilitate dreams. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, I was kind of going to get into crystals a little bit next. And so you are like the master segue. (laughs) Um, And okay. So amethyst, I'll I'll take note of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you know, in my mediumship work and I've never really gotten into studying crystals, learning much about them. I know that, um, it's, you know, they've been around a few million years, <laughs> so they might know a thing or two. Um, 
and so I've always been kind of curious and you, and you have, you've have some books about this as well. And without taking away from your class at the Oregon ghost conference next weekend, what is, what should somebody look for or how do you, you know, if you go to a gem, you know, a, a crystal and gem store, um, how would someone like me who hasn't been into it figure out what I should have? It's really easy. You go where you're attracted. So what I recommend people do is you walk in a store, you kind of take a minute, close your eyes. I will often kind of close my eyes, put my hands over my heart for a minute, take a deep breath. And when I open my eyes, I kind of think, I think I'll go over here. And when I get over here, I do the same thing. I stop and I, and I, I think I'll go right here. And I just, and then I hold them and I hold them, always hold them in your non-dominant hand. So if your right hand, your left right. hand, right? Because that's your receiving hand. So mm-hmm. always hold them in your non-dominant hand and just see how they feel. And if you feel an affinity for a crystal, then that is a crystal that you probably should work with. It needs to be not a visual thing. So like Jim um, is very visual with crystals. He's like, I think that's pretty, so I want that. And so as a result, we have a lot of Labradorite and fossils around the house, which is cool. I mean, because that's what he's into. But when he needs a crystal for something specific, we actually have him close his eyes put his hands behind his back and then we put one, we put crystals in his hand one after the other and he picks it out based on how he feels. And I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Okay. So you almost like you, you know, get a little hit of energy off of it that Mm -hmm. that's the, that's the right one. Um, What's uh, what's your kind of, what's your foundation um, stone or crystal? What's kind of the one that's most important to you? I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it depends. Look, I have hundreds of crystals. I, I wish I was joking. My bank account wishes I was joking, and yet I am not. <laughs> um, Jim says we're into the thousands. Oh, that hurts to say. I tell my son, look, if anything ever happens to us, do not throw these away. These are worth money. This is your inheritance because you're not getting any money. This is it. You're getting <laughs> so so it, it depends on the day. Um, right now, I'm kind of feeling an affinity for the tektites. Um, and those are actually obsidian that's created by a meteor impact with the Earth. Right. And so they come from outer space. So it's things like Moldavite, um, uh, Tibetan tektites, things like that. So I'm really feeling the tektites right now. Um, and then my favorite crystal ever still is phenakite. It's P-H-E-N-A-C-I-T-E. It's a barrel crystal, which means it's related to aquamarine, morganite, emerald, things like that. Okay. And I, there is, it's so, I call it the get high crystal because I, the first time <laughs> I was in a store, I was walking, I was down at Mystery Gallery in, in just outside of uh, Oregon City. And I was walking past this counter and all of a sudden my head went, woo, and I was like, what the heck do you have back there? And he pulls up this tray of phenakite. And it's just a clear crystal. It's very expensive. It comes from Russia. Um, but you can get little pieces that aren't terribly expensive. Uh-huh. And um, it is, for me, it is such a connection crystal. So the feeling of being high or stoned is actually it's just that it takes my energy and my energy goes whoop 
as soon as I touch that crystal. It just goes right up. Yeah, it just, whoop. and and right now, um, the tectites are doing that for me too, but it could be something else tomorrow, you know. Right, right. What's, um, so what's a good one for, uh, in your opinion, because with all the craziness that's been going on the past year, um, what's a good one for peace in or calmness? Um, celestite, which is a blue kind of a, um, they come in, it's kind of a baby blue color and it looks very geody. It's got like the little jags of things in it. So you'll okay. often see it as a broken rock. Um, uh-huh. celestite is really great for that. Um, because it's just such a common color. And then also um, blue lace agate, which is really inexpensive, um, but it's also kind of that light blue. Blue crystals are really good for sort of tuning into that inner peace. Calm and, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think people need that. <laughs> Some yeah. people need to chill. <laughs> yeah. Some. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so... Yeah, I, I I totally understand. You know, you gotta you'll you'll find the right crystal or stone as you're going around. I've always really liked obsidian. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I've just um, always loved it. You know, we'd find it in Arizona, uh, yeah. and then Idaho where I grew up. You know, we'd find it, and I just have always had an affinity for that. So maybe that's something that I should. It's um, it's very grounding. For. Mm-hmm. And people who do the type of work that you do are often not super grounded. <laughs> sure, yeah, I agree. With and that. <laughs> so that makes sense to me that you you like do you like that feeling of grounding of being really. Yeah, it's I, yeah I I I need it. You know, every, mm, yeah. every now and again, you know, I just need, just need it. But yeah, no, I like that, and that's part of you know taking that time to to be in the moment and get you know, grounded and kind of reset. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we got somebody that commented and said that they're Katie Brown. Uh, I'm a snowflake obsidian person. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so pretty. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for you specifically, Shungite. Shungite. S H U N G I T E. That feels like, so that feels to me like a peat crystal. All right. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Now, uh, do you work with more than crystals or stones? And, and more specifically, I really like Palo Santo. Oh, um, me too. Yeah, it, it just smells so good. Yeah. <laughs> I just love yeah. the smell of it. And it is, it does, you know, have an effect, you know, in a, in a room for sure. Yeah. Um, That's actually what I burn before I do readings. Is it? Okay. I've done that before too. Yeah. Um, and I use it every, when I, I, so I energetically cleanse my house because I think energy hygiene is really important. Um, especially if you do the work that I do. Okay. Um, but even if you don't, and so I actually, um, do a house cleansing with Palo Santo every Sunday where I go and I go around every door and every window and every drain and all the way around my entire inside of my house to, to bring that energy back up to, yeah. And so that's, is, would you consider that a really good alternative to saging? I do. Um, I think sage smells like pot and 
it used to drive my son nuts when I would uh, when I would sage the house because he would be like, "Mom, I go to school and I smell like pot." So I started <laughs> I started using the Palo Santo. So the thing with sage is sage absolutely clears the energy out of a space and it leaves an energy vacuum. It leaves nothing. And so you can either allow the energy to flow in and whatever comes, comes, or you can burn something else after sage to raise the vibration of the energy. So I almost always, if I do sage, I almost always follow it by either Palo Santo or sweet grass. And so I have just, I skip the sage now and I just do the Palo Santo. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I can, I always can feel some sort of effect by it and it's, it's Puck a good feeling. Good. Yeah. 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 And I just love the smell. My, my little girls hate it, but they're like, what is that? Really? That How can yeah. you hate the smell of Palo Santo? It smells like, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what heaven smells like, you know, it's. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm right? down for that. I'm yeah. down for that. Um, yeah. I've, just, I've always, always loved using that. Um, so everybody listening out there, that's another great thing. Palo Santo would. Um, now we're coming up. We got about 20 minutes left. So I want to cover some other stuff here. Um, you know, everybody out there go to author because you've got a lot of great resources on there. Um, your blog, your George, <laughs> your George blog, your George channel, um, there's some interesting stuff there and helpful stuff. I thought it was cool that you had your page of guided meditations. Talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, I don't even know why I started doing that, but I was, so when I, when I, when I started really working with my abilities and working with the energy healing and stuff, and I would take a class or I would do something and they would always say, well, do you meditate? And I was the most grudging meditator on the planet. I was like, (laughs) fine. You know, I just, I am not a person who is good at sitting pretzeled in the lotus position and chanting. Oh, it's just not me. Yeah. And so there are so many avenues to meditation and it's so beneficial that I wanted to create a way for people who are like me, who, who just, the, I mean, I can meditate now, but back then I couldn't, I just, yeah. I, I, it just wasn't a thing I did. And so guided meditations were one of the ways that and movement meditations, walking, dance, things like that, that really started to help me to understand what that flow feels like. And so the yeah. meditations that I have, um, they're free. They're just guided meditations. Some yeah, of them with singing bowls. Um, some of them not with singing bowls for different purposes. I think there's one for grief. I think there's one for meeting your spirit guides. Yeah. Um, and so all of those things to me, it just felt like a great way to ease people into this practice that is so important for everything, for inner peace, for personal development, for connection to your higher source, to all of those things. Because I know, I mean, honestly, when people told me I had to meditate, if I wanted to get anywhere in life, I would like, I'd get a little stabby. (laughs) I, you know, and I, I can relate in the sense that I feel like, um, still sometimes I have a hard time meditating and so i try not to think of it as meditating and more of hyper focusing yeah um you know and and a lot of clients um that i work with and i'm you know trying 
you know, ease them into, you know, don't try too hard. Yeah. You know, uh, if you can't feel, if you don't think you can meditate, think about it like something else other than meditation. And, um, but yeah, I'm the same way. I think most people, uh, in general are, our brains are firing so fast. And, you know, as we talked earlier, we're, everything's a, you know, a million miles an hour in our yeah. lives nowadays. So yeah, it's who, you know, it's super hard to meditate. I've never been able to be hypnotized. Because, oh, I have, but it took me a long time to be able to do it. So yeah. Oh yeah. I I don't know that I would want, want to be. Hypnotized. It's, it's really, it's really a weird experience. So I'll just put that out there. But my favorite form of meditation is what I like to call the napitation. Okay. Where you meditate and you fall where you meditate and fall asleep and wake up and like that was the best meditation ever. Right. You probably feel super refreshed too. I do. Um and so it's okay if you fall asleep when you're meditating. Um you know, just whatever works for you. Some people need to drum. Some people need to gaze at a candle. Some people need to move. Some people can focus on their breath, and some people can sit pretzeled and chant ohm and I can do all of those things now but I had to find an end to it and and so for me everything is about making all of this as accessible for as many people as possible so that they can be empowered and and so since I am one who fought this kicking and screaming (laughs) I feel like I'm a good person to offer resources because I overcame my fighting at kicking and screaming by doing all of these various things. You've been through, yeah, right. You've gone through the experience of what most people may not have the patience for, or, you know, have the dedication over time to do. But if you can, you've kind of given people the blueprint with these, you know, guided meditations. And that's, I, I applaud you for that. That's awesome. And I hope people will go, and check that out, authorkarenfraser.com, and check out the guided meditations there. I do uh, have to tell you, Pete, it is a challenge in my house. And my dogs have been really good, but it is a challenge for me to record those without a dog barking in the background. <laughs> well, I think you could probably almost make that a game, I guess. I, am, I, am I yeah, they, <laughs> I, I wind up garage banding them a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. That's funny. Um, now, it, for me, you know, and maybe you can relate to uh, playing music. That's a form of meditation, too. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I, Reading, reciting poetry. Yeah. It, whatever yeah. kind of gets you to focus on mm-hmm. one thing and then to clear everything else out. I've always felt that um, playing music is like the best drug for me. Um, because it, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when you're playing you're just, you you're know, in the moment. You're, you're in the moment and you're, you know, in feeling the music, whatever you're playing. And when you're done, you're like, Oh, just feels so good. Right. So, so but so you and I are musicians. So we get that right. We're very mm-hmm. auditorily motivated, sure. but for other people, it might be drawing or it might totally. be writing or it might be moving. So all of those things can lead to meditation. Yep. Yeah. And it, and and the point is, yeah, just that we all have something that we're drawn to. Yeah. And then niche down on that. If you, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're having troubles meditating and try that as you're in to grounding and connecting, that's, that's awesome. Um, well tell us a little bit about 
your Reiki that you do, um, and you teach classes. You taught a class at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference. Um, I did. That was in fun. The, in the Masonic Lodge. <laughs> it was so cold in there. And we, so we were just all freezing. And then you came afterwards in after the class and you were like, didn't they tell you how to turn the heat on? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, and you've got, um, you do have a second degree Reiki class in June, I saw. Yeah, um, I've had to go online. I've had to, I, I like sure. teaching them in person, right? Um, but I've, I've had to start teaching them online. So I actually have two books about Reiki. Um, one's called Complete Reiki, and I don't know what the other one's called right now because it's, I don't uh, know. Yeah, it's Reiki Healing for Beginners. Reiki Healing for Beginners. Thank you. Thank God you've got you've got notes because I clearly don't keep notes on my own life. Um, but so I um, was drawn to Reiki many, many, many years ago. And I thought, well, this is something that I'd be interested in trying, even though it's BS. So that was kind of my mind. Great right? attitude. I know. Well, and so um, several years ago, I finally, I found a local guy who taught it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And so I, I took a class and um, it was so, so Reiki is just a form of hands-on energy healing, although you can do it at a distance as well. And it just felt right. It just clicked. As soon as I did it, it clicked. Um, and so I went all the way through there. Um, I took first degree, second degree, and then my master teacher degree. Um, over a course of a few years, because I really wanted to work with the energy before I started teaching it and started helping other people to understand mm -hmm. it. Cause I like to understand what I teach. It's really important to me, <laughs> right? you know, that I understand what I teach. Um, and so, but there was just something about it that, I mean, I, I, it just felt right. I'm an empath and I'm a physical empath. I feel people's physical pain as well as their emotional stuff. And um, there's a reason that the universe gave me that gift. And um, so it gave me a way to help people and to help people help themselves energetically. Um, and it also helped me to start to feel better physically because I developed skills for myself that allowed me to separate my, put an additional layer of separation between myself and someone else's pain, whether it was emotional okay. or physical. And that was life changing for me because I spent my entire young adulthood um, wondering why I always felt like crap. And it had nothing, and I, it had nothing to do with anything that was happening in my life and wondering why I had these mood swings or wondering when, why, when I drove up into Seattle, I could barely function, yeah. right? you know, or when I lived in the dorms, I, my moods were all over. And so all of these things, all of a sudden it gave me a tool that created a layer where I could detach myself from that, recognize it, do something about it. Okay. And still protect myself. Now, do you think that part of what, why you were not feeling well a lot and just feeling like crud all the time, it's because of other people's energy and you're, oh. you're yeah, you were just, and it just piles up on you, you know, absolutely. You and if you it. don't know, that's what you're experiencing. You just think it's yours. And as soon as you identify something as yours and own it as yours, guess what? 
it becomes yours energetically. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, it just makes me wonder because um, I, I, I've, you know, I mentioned like shopping at Walmart or, you know, some <gasps> big store or something and yeah. you walk in, I've got like a, a 40 minute window when I go into a place like that, yeah. you know, 40 minutes to get everything I need and get out. Otherwise I start feel like I'm going to start seeing red. Yeah. That's and- why you need shoe guide. <laughs> well, you know what? I used to tell Jim that I was pretty sure that they pumped rage into the air at Walmart. <laughs> I think they do. Cause yeah. yeah, it's just a stressful place. It um, is. It is. Um, but it's no, that's so that's empathic, but that's why you need the shungite. That's you need a shungite bracelet that you just wear when you go to Walmart. Yeah. I, I should I'm try totally that. serious. I should try that because yeah, I mean, we went to mm-hmm. another store recently and I walked in and it just was bad juju in this place. Yeah. And I immediately was like, you know, yeah? <laughs> grumpy and growly. And uh, I'll have to try that out. But um, so with the the Reiki, you know, and helping, I mean, what is it best for, for somebody? I mean, who, who would come see you? You know, what's like your best patient? Well, I call them healing partners. Healing um, partners, sure. And the reason that I call them healing partners, I know that sounds really nitpicky and I don't mean it to, but oh, the sure. reason that I call them healing partners is because I always want to remain in the space of understanding that Reiki merely comes from the universe through me and that my healing partner draws it in. So it is a partnership. Um, So my healing, my best healing partner, honestly, the people who come to me are often people who have tried everything else and they are at the end of their rope. And they're like, I mean, and that's how I came to Reiki. My first Reiki session was because I had tried everything else. This person was a uh, medical doctor who was also an alternative practitioner. So I thought maybe I could job my insurance and get him to pay for it. (laughs) And I, I wish I was kidding. I'm not. And so I was, I had had this sore throat that had lasted for um, months and it was a severe sore throat and nothing would make it go away. Mm -hmm. And so this gal was in Port Orchard um, and I went in, my son was three at the time. He's 24 now. I mean, so this is a long time ago. I went in and I was like, well, I I thought she was going to give me herbs or something because I thought alternative practitioner was going to be like, you know, give me some garlic or something. Right. (laughs) So instead she laid me on the table on my back. She put a crystal on my throat, which I thought, well, this is stupid. And then she started (laughs) doing these things and touching me. And I kept saying to her, how is this going to make my throat better? What are you doing? How does this work? And she finally, essentially, very nicely said, just shut up and let me do what I'm doing. (laughs) And in the middle of this session, I felt something give. And that's all I I can't explain. It was like a whoosh. And I started to cry. Ugly cry. For (laughs) three days, I ugly cried. Just got it out. Got, it, got out. it out. That sore throat was gone. Amazing. Yeah. And you know, uh, I think whoosh is a technical psychic term. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know exactly what I was talking about though, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, so that's amazing. So, um, so you're doing like online stuff basically now for, 
Yeah, so Reiki you can do at a distance. Um, I prefer in person because I like to be in the presence of a person and I like to um, offer tools and I like to observe them and things. But that's just not something I I couldn't live with myself if I made somebody sick. Agreed, yeah. Right. And so as a result, it's all been online, um, which has given me the opportunity to work with people all around the world, which is super cool. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be something that I continue to do because I think that that there are people who come to me who need the way that I teach it. There's the COVID nineteen opportunity. Yeah, and 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 so that's of one of, that's one of the opportunities. Um, so my my hope is is that I can start in person. Up, um, I've kind of had a sense last year. I kept saying it has a seven energy, and so I thought that meant it would be July of last year. I realize now I probably meant July of this year. this year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I feel like probably after this summer. Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll be able to go back to in person again. Yeah, that's great. And if anybody's interested in, um, and Rob commented, it helps long distance. Yeah. Oh yeah. I send it to Rob uh, all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how you don't need to really be somewhere like, uh, your readings you've been probably doing all virtually as well too, right? Yeah. I did one for somebody in India this afternoon. Oh, that's awesome. It was like five o'clock in the morning there. (laughs) <laughs> Jeez, where, where they must have been having coffee or something. Jeez, uh, she was like, "No, I'm a morning person." I was like, "Okay, well, good." <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, how long have you been? Uh, how long have you been doing readings? So, I used to do them many years ago. Um, back when I didn't believe in it, <laughs> I would, sure. but I would like play with the tarot cards and stuff and do them. And people were like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. It's so accurate. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm just really good cold reader. <laughs> That's what I believe. <laughs> and then um, about maybe about five years ago, Seth started uh-huh. saying, you need to start doing readings again. And I kept saying, but that's so stressful. My ego's going to get involved. You know, I'm afraid. What if I have nothing? And um, I started, I, I mean, I've done them on and off for the last couple of years. And I've really just started up. Um, I do them only on Tuesdays now, and that's super helpful because now I feel like I have control of my schedule. So. Yeah, no, then that's great. It's, yeah. It sucks when you have when you feel like you're out of control with your schedule. Yeah. Um, well, hey, we're coming up on the end here, and I feel like we could have kept going on and on about all kinds of things. So I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on tonight, and it was such a fun conversation. And um, I know I have some things to check out. I'm going to check out the Shungite. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope everybody listening out there too, maybe you've picked up something to, to try out too. And uh, But I just want to thank you for taking time and coming on the show. And I'd love to have you back again. Oh, I would love that. And, you know, the one thing, if I can say to your listeners, one thing, just try one thing. Just try one thing for a couple minutes. Yeah. How it works. Yeah. Yeah. Hurt? Don't overdo it. Just try one thing. Just try one thing. Exactly. Well, you can catch Karen at the Oregon Ghost Conference on the 27th. And so go to OregonGhostConference.com and be sure to visit Karen's website. I'll post that on my uh, show page, AuthorKarenFraser.com. Like I said, you've got a lot of great resources on there. And congrats on your new book. And I look forward to seeing what the next one is, the top secret one. Um, <laughs> when that comes out in the fall. Not top secret to me. 
<laughs> of course um and a lot of people are commenting uh thanks and good night so i get thanks again to all the listeners so i'll be on with oregon ghost conference director rocky smith next tuesday evening 8 p.m pacific and we'll be on from 8 to 10 pacific time and we'll be talking about all things oregon ghost conference i think we'll be talking about some of the haunts in oregon city uh, as you mm-hmm. alluded to it being a really haunted place so it is <laughs> um and rocky's got a great knowledge of history there so i think we're going to dive into some of that but i hope you'll join me next week and then uh, check out karen's class for that it's um intro to crystals and again, Karen, thank you. And I always leave every show with my toast that the past is history, the future is a mystery, but today's a gift because it's the present, because we need to remember to stop and take a moment to be in the moment, hug the ones you're with, and hug everyone else virtually. And we'll see you next week on Let's Talk Radio, WLTKDB.com. I'm your host, Pete Orbea on the Paranormal Pete Show. Have a great week. <laughs>